All right, did you hear about uh, school, high school in uh, Toronto's closed down because they had uh, outbreak of COVID-19, so all the kids are online learning today. It's just a nightmare for those poor high school kids. I was listening to some seniors from that school talking about how they've only had one normal year of school. So bizarre. Can you imagine? Just, it's hard to comprehend. Um, but... Uh, let's look towards uh, kids that are younger in elementary school. Pfizer seeking FDA approval. The use of COVID-19 vax in kids. They will soon be following suit with Health Canada and they'll be asking Health Canada to give approval. Nearly 3 million kids across the country aged 5 to 11 years old would be eligible for doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine should Health Canada be giving given the green light on that. And you have to wonder if this will mean more divorced and separated parents will be heading to family court. Here to talk about it, Christine Vanderscoot, family lawyer with Vanderscoot Law, joins the show. Uh, Christine, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Now, at the beginning of this pandemic, the disputes in, in family court over kids mainly revolved around school and online and uh, classroom in-person learning, correct? That's exactly right. And very similar to this issue with um, whether or not children 12 to 17 or now younger children uh, should get vaccinated, the government and public health authorities are being found by the court to be, um, to be the authorities in this issue. So the court isn't really deviating from what the government's telling us is best for the children. So in, in the issue of, or to do with the issue of in-person learning versus online, um, you know, courts were following what was happening on the ground. Right. And I know that a lot of parents were saying that they didn't feel comfortable with in-person learning. Uh, so the school board was allowing for learning uh, remotely. It's just whatever your comfort level was in uh, was how did the, the courts uh, tend to rule in those classes and those uh, court cases rather? Well, the, um, the courts always focus on something called the best interests of the child. It's a guiding principle. Um, but now that we know that principle, the next question is, how do you apply it? You know, each family circumstance is different from uh, the last family that was in front of the court or the last family that has an issue or a dispute. So the judges have to be very, very diligent in looking at specific facts. So in in-school versus online learning, the judges would really have to delve into what was going on in each home, what were each parent's perspectives. Uh, they do consider the views and preferences of the children as well. So it, it can be a lot of work for a judge to try and wade through to come out at the other end and find what is in the child's best interests. Right. And when it comes to high school kids, I mean, they might uh, have an idea of what they want to do. How much is that swaying uh, judges when it comes to making decisions in family court? Well, uh, the Children's Law Reform Act tells us that uh, judges where possible really should consider the views and preferences of the children that the judge is making decisions about. Um, you know, they, the judges want families, whether they've won or lost at court and they want kids, to really buy into any judicial decision. So they want, uh, they want the dispute to end, you know. So looking at what a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old may want will be important. A 16-year-old or a 17-year-old would be even more important to help that judge get to the right decision for that child and for that family. So basically the rule of 
thumb, I think, would be that uh, the older a child is, the more mature a child is, the more developmentally uh, forward they are, um, the more weight the judge would give that child's views and preferences. You, you made the point in an article I was reading uh, where you were quoted that not all kids want to go to the dentist, but parents and garden and garden guardians would make them go. How does that argument work when it comes to a kid under 12 who may be living with a parent part-time who's an anti-vaxxer and the other time they're spending time with a parent that is in favor of what public health uh, authorities are recommending? How does that that work? (laughs) Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, kids need parents, right? Kids aren't uh, necessarily developed enough. Uh, to make 100% of decisions for themselves all the time. And I like the example, uh, children may not like the dentist or may not want to go to the dentist. So their parents have to be there uh, in concert together, whether they're in a separated family or if they're in an, in an intact family, the parents have to come to consensus. When does the child go to the dentist? How often does the child go to the dentist? Um, and they will make those decisions. Now, if there's a dispute... Uh, the child's views and preferences will be considered, mm. but the best interest test still prevails. So, for instance, there was a recent Saskatchewan case where uh, a 12- or 13-year-old child who is on the cusp of, of having their views and preferences given weight in most circumstances, uh, the, ju- the, uh, the judge actually, the decision was that the 13-year-old should get vaccinated, and the reason for that was even though the child didn't want to, uh, the child's views and preferences were not found to be independent by the judge. The judge, had, the judge found that the child had been heavily, heavily influenced by the mother, mm. who was an anti-vaxxer. So again, a judge has another layer to go through. Once the child uh, gives their views and preferences, it's up to the judge to try and figure out if those views and preferences from the child were independent, or were they influenced was the child coached, that kind of thing. Are you expecting the number of family law cases to increase when 5- to 11-year-olds are approved for the COVID-19 vaccine? Or do you think that, uh, you know, based on precedent that's been set in these other cases, uh, people will realize it's not worth their time because the court is going to uh, lean towards what uh, public health guidelines are? That's a really good question. Uh, I would like to say that shows like yours and articles like uh, those published by the Toronto Star are helping educate parents as to where the courts are going to land on these questions. Um, You know, people spend a lot of money in court. They spend a lot of emotional time in court. And if they can avoid that and find consensus outside of court, in effect, by knowing how a judge will land or make a decision in their court case, I think that's going to be best for everyone. Um, That said, you know, uh, people have strong views. And when it comes to issues like vaccinating a child or not vaccinating a child, parents can feel so strongly about it because they believe that the health of their child is on, on the line. So I, I'm hopeful that these uh, cases will educate the public as to what's very likely to happen in court and will dissuade people from going to court. But, um, you know, People will do what they're going to do um, based usually on on an emotional um, requirement that they have. 
I think people would be shocked to hear a lawyer say that because that's your business. Um, but what are the lasting effects uh, of this on families? Because obviously you got into family law because uh, not only it's, you know, your interest in in family law, but also, you know, it's a way to make a living, but because, you know, you wanted to make a difference. So how can you, uh, are there better ways to deal with this out of court? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. The first thing you want to do when you're approaching a family law lawyer, uh, the first thing that I tell my clients is I tell them, you know, what this, the current state of the law is, right? So if somebody walked into my office and said, uh, I'm an anti-vaxxer and, you know, I want to bring this matter to court, I don't want my son or daughter vaccinated, um, I, I would have a conversation with them and say, look, you know, you might be throwing away your money. And I understand it's my business, um, but we have a duty, we're officers of the court, you know, we don't um, uh, necessarily, or, or most lawyers that I, I would know in family law or recommend in family law, try and balance um, uh, aiding their client, mm-hmm. giving appropriate advice, being an advocate for that client, but also letting them know if they're getting into a danger zone. You know, if they're, if they're going to lose, um, you want to tell them that. And will they still sometimes go ahead anyway? Sure. But... Sometimes the job of a lawyer is to keep a family out of court and redirect them. There's all kinds of court programs, uh, including mediation on site in many Ontario courts with skilled mediators. Sometimes those are social workers. Sometimes they're senior family law lawyers who have trained in mediation. Um, And it can really, you know, keep parents from being either winners or losers in court. Because if they're co-parenting, uh, they're going to be they're going to be together co-parenting for 18 years, or at mm-hmm. least until the child is 18. And I have heard numerous judges who will say, "Look, you know, it's too bad you're in court here today um, because you want to be able to dance with your former spouse at your child's wedding." And I just think that's so important for people to understand. Keep your eye on the long-term lasting effects on on your family. Exactly. You know, children are very sensitive and they can sense the tension, even if they're kept out of the actual fray. Um, They know there's a dispute going on. So the sooner it's resolved, the better. Christine, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. I I think this is going to be very helpful for the listening audience because I have heard about a lot of uh, division within the families, not just you know uh, families of divorced parents, but uh, just families that are still together where one parent uh, has a view and the other parent's view does not match up, this this is incredibly problematic. It's an ongoing problem. Um, and the more cases, though, that get resolved outside of the court system, uh, the better overall for the separated family. Now, intact families, I can't comment too much on. Um, but, but hopefully, uh, you know, this type of divisive um, understanding of the vaccination process won't tear families apart. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't had anybody approach me and say, uh, the reason for my divorce is mm-hmm. because I, I am for or against vaccinations and my spouse has the opposite view. I haven't seen that yet. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I hope it doesn't. Christine, thanks so much for sparing some time. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Have Thank a great you. day. Christine Vanderscoot is a family lawyer with Vanderscoot Law.